This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for March 29, 2015. The Gospel is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. The message is by Father Ron Baird. Today we finally come to the week of Holy Week and Palm Sunday. It's the last week of Lent and all the fasting and prayer that we've been doing. If you didn't get a palm on your way in, make sure you get one on your way out. They've been blessed already. They're back there by the baptismal font. So make sure that you get one to go home with. Palm Sunday is such an interesting paradox of, of feelings. On the one hand, it's a very triumphant kind of thing. You know, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But on the other hand, uh, for those of us who live after the crucifixion, we know what is coming, as did Jesus. And so it always has this sort of happy-sad kind of motif. Um, but there's another dichotomy that's going on at the same time. There are two processions into Jerusalem on the same day. A lot of people don't realize that. The first is the one we know about coming in from the east as Jesus processes in on the back of a donkey with big crowd around him, everybody shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Um, lots of people are dancing and are excited because the Jews know that through this gate called the Golden Gate, the Messiah will come. And when the Messiah comes and, and is there, then uh, the kingdom of Israel will be restored in its fullness. And so they're particularly excited, and they know that one of the signs of the Messiah is that he will ride into Jerusalem in exactly the same way that David did on the back of a donkey. Now, it seems a little strange to ride in a triumphal procession on a donkey in some ways, um, but in Jerusalem at the time, that was what they had when David was there, and now it was a prophetic sign. At the other end of the city, at the western end, there is another triumphal procession into Jerusalem that people don't notice so much. And that's the entry of Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea, into Jerusalem. He would always come down that day on the week of the Passover. And when he came in, he came in for a very particular reason. He lived up at Caesarea Maritima, which is on the coast, uh, north of what is now Tel Aviv. And so he would come in because thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people would flock to Jerusalem during Passover week to celebrate Passover in the holiest city in the world. And so when you get all those Jews together, they were always afraid that it would be a great opportunity for an uprising and for a revolt to start. And so the Roman legions would come. And that was why Pilate was coming in. He was bringing the entire Roman cohort in with him to make sure that nothing untoward happened. Uh, during that week. Normally he didn't like to go to Jerusalem. He didn't much care for the Jews. Matter of fact, um, the year before, or two years before, he had gotten into a lot of trouble in Jerusalem because he had marched right into the inner court of the temple, which is forbidden for Gentiles to go into. And then on top of that, he wanted to put up a statue of Augustus Caesar in the temple, which, you know, it created a riot. I mean, people were furious about it. And so Jerusalem wasn't really his favorite place to be. Now when the Romans enter into a city, they don't just sort of come in in the middle of the night, you know, sort of stopping by, hi, how are you doing? When They know how to have a parade. I mean, they have banners with this insignia of the, of the 
um, the person's family on it. They have flags that are flying. They have trumpeters who uh, herald the entry of the, this dignitary. And when the dignitary, in this case the governor, rides in, he will come in riding a white horse, a giant stallion, you know, so to make clear, the, and all the Roman soldiers would be behind him, marching in lockstep, you know, in perfect formation. And so everybody knows that when Rome shows up, I mean, it's very impressive. Oddly enough, nobody goes to that parade because they don't like the Romans. They really would rather they went away. And so people aren't showing up for that. They're at the other end of town. But all that will change during the course of the week. You see, the same crowd that is cheering for Jesus will be then turning to this guy they don't like, the Roman governor, and cheering for him to crucify this Jesus. Because the truth is, is that while they know about the prophetic sign of riding in on a donkey, they really want a Savior who rides in on a white horse, just like we do. You know, it's interesting, in 19, or 1898, uh, Kaiser Wilhelm, you know, the famous Kaiser Wilhelm, um, made a, a, a defense pact treaty with the Ottoman Empire. And part of what he did in that was that he went to visit. And so when he went to visit, he also went to Jerusalem. And of course, he was a Christian. And so when he got to Jerusalem, you know, they said, you know, how do you want to enter into Jerusalem? Do you want to do it on a donkey like Jesus did or, or, or what? And he goes, I'm not riding a donkey into Jerusalem. And interestingly enough, he rides into Jerusalem on a white horse, the same thing that, that Pilate does. And what we don't realize, though, is that that's kind of the, the Savior all of us want, isn't it? I mean, I don't know that you can really blame him. I mean, after all, who, which Savior would you rather have? The Savior who's a, a mighty warrior, who's going to come in on a valiant steed, and even if he dies, is going to die a glorious death in battle for the sake of the country. You know, that, that sounds so appealing, doesn't it? Someone who's promising you glory and riches. Or would you rather have somebody who rides in on the back of a jackass and gets, gets executed as a common criminal? You know, that's not all that appealing, is it? When you think about it. And yet, that's just the choice that Jesus puts before us. Now, lest you think that, well, we wouldn't do that. You know, we would think differently than that. Would we? I mean, don't we do this every four years when we have a presidential election? Imagine if Joe Smith, the accountant, you know, at, at, at your company, who's just a great guy, he's always honest, you know, you can trust him, you know, with, with anything, he's smart, um, you know that he always has others' best interests at heart, you know that he'll do the very best he can, says, I think I'm going to run for president because these professional people doing it are messing things up. Now, if you told somebody, I'm going to vote for Joe Smith for president, what do you think they'd tell you? 